Welcome to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. I'm your host, Tim Reed. And once again, I'm so excited to be here today. Welcome to the Firetime Podcast. Now, as we round out this season of the podcast, this is a conversation I have been really excited for you guys to hear about. Today, we're going to be talking with Michelle Myers, and she's someone from outside of our industry that my friend Alex Judd connected me with. Michelle specifically has done a lot of work with forming communities of women who are finding purpose in their work. And our conversation today is a deep dive in that. Now, she's an author. We're going to get into her book uh, for her day-to-day job. She literally runs an online community of women all over the country. And, And we talk a lot about purpose. We, we talk about busyness, like, like every single one of us is being pulled in a million different directions. And so often as we're trying to put out every single fire and keep up on everything, we burn ourselves out and we do nothing effectively. So we, we jump into that and, and talk about it. She has some really interesting things to say about priorities and time management. She has some things to say about social media that frankly blew my mind and, and it's got the wheels spinning for me. And, and at the end, we also just talk about, you know, what is the call to women in, in a male-dominated industry? Like, the hearth industry is very male-dominated. And it's been awesome to see, you know, different women, like, step up to the plate and, and, and join the ranks as the prominent leaders of the industry and, and share what, what they bring to the table. And so we talk specifically about that. If you're someone that's in that position or, or wherever you are, if you feel not listened to or, or cast out... My hope is that this conversation gives you inspiration to stand firm and actually fight to make a difference with where you are right now. So I'm going to jump out of the way and I absolutely have some thoughts to share at the end. But for now, I hope you enjoy this conversation. Joining me from Asheville, North Carolina is Michelle Myers, the co-founder of She Works His Way and author of She Works His Way, a practical guide for doing what matters most in a get things done world. Michelle, how are you doing today? Good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's so good to talk to you. And I've, I've been excited about this conversation for a while. My friend Alex Judd was telling me about your work and really over the last six months or so, I've kind of been paying attention to it. And it's just amazing to see what you do. Excited for what we're going to talk about today. Thank you. Me too. So I want to jump in. You know, you you have a have a company that is specifically geared to help women in the workspace, and I, I want to I want to jump into like just right out of the gates the idea of doing work that matters. It's in it's in the subtitle of your book. Mm-hmm. As as you work with different women and, and 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 people in your space, why do you feel like it is so hard right now in our moment to do work that matters? Because we have so many distractions. Mm-hmm. We have so many distractions and I think there's so many voices and so many opinions that if you're constantly trying to follow every piece of advice that you hear or take every call to action that you're given, it is so easy to lose focus on why you exist to do your work in the space that you're called to social media podcast, you know, anything you can take anything that's good, but when you make it too important, or there's so many that you're busy watching other people live their life more than you are 
taking ownership of the one that God gave you, that can create just this tension to where it's almost like we use the analogy of you're on a hamster wheel on a tightrope. <laughs> and it's just a matter of how is this going to fall? Who am I going to hurt on the way down? And it all becomes because we lose, we lose focus. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. You talk about busyness. This, this has been a huge thing for me. I've been, I've been talking to friends for the last year or so that like, I am trying to quit busyness. So one of the things when, when, when we talk to people very often, it's like, how are you doing? What's the first response? Oh, I'm, I'm busy. Yeah. You know, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm so busy. And, and I have really started to kind of look at that as a, as a mark of shame for myself. If I, if the first thing out of my mouth when someone's like, how are you doing? Or who are you? Well, you know, I mean, is I'm busy. And, and I think that that doesn't mean that your life isn't full of good things, but I think you're right about distraction that distraction is really difficult. And it's like, it's more prevalent than ever. And I think like at a societal level, right? Like we can't get anything done because we are so distracted. Right. Yes. And I think it, it gets really hard too, because even when you think through the word busy, then it becomes easy to make a rule of like, okay, these are my time boundaries. And these are the things that will get my yes. And these are the things that will get my no. And we, we start to bring this rigidness into our lives. That is not always possible because when you are in work, work involves people. And people cannot be automated or systematized or put into these little boundaries that we create. And so then it becomes this tension between the boundaries that we create for ourselves and the people that we're called to serve. And so I don't, do you know Jordan Rayner? Oh yeah. Okay. So his book, Redeeming Your Time that came out, he made a distinction in it of Jesus was busy, but he was never hurried. Hmm. And so the difference between those two, I think two of the most beautiful words in the gospels are in Mark and it's in the healing of Bartimaeus. And it just simply says, Bartimaeus is crying out. He's crying out. Jesus is walking by and he cries out and it just says, Jesus stopped. And to think about the guy that arguably had the most important mission on earth took the time to stop because one person cried out. And so he was going somewhere. He was busy. There was a reason why Bartimaeus had to cry out to get his attention. But I know for me, like, I'm like, okay, I, I want to live a life that tells the story. Michelle stopped. Yeah. Like there was a need and Michelle stopped. Yeah. Not just Michelle was busy or Michelle did this or, and to think of my legacy being listed in accolades and titles and accomplishments, but for your life to be lived in, in faces. Yeah. And, and to see that. So that has been super helpful for me because when I think about my husband's a pastor, we've got three kids and I co-run a ministry. Like we are, we have a lot of responsibility on our plate. And so to think that I'm ever going to be in a season that's not busy, I don't, I don't know that that's possible, but it, I can have a lot to juggle responsibility wise, but also just refuse to hurry. And so that, that has been super helpful for me to think through in terms of busyness. So how would you define work that matters versus work that doesn't, right? We're in this, we're in this culture where like in, in, in our industry, like everything is busy, right? So like I'm, I'm running a retail showroom. I'm trying to figure out our payroll for next month. I'm trying to figure out which health insurance plan we pick and upset customer calls me. There's all these different things that are always juggling for our attention. It doesn't matter what space you're in, Mm -hmm. but 
how do you, how do you look at work that matters versus work that doesn't? So I first think you have to redefine work because we can get easy in compartmentalizing and believe, okay, work is my title. Work is what I get a paycheck for. Work is something that I show up for in these hours. But the reality of it is we have a lot of responsibilities in our life that require our effort that do not have anything to do with our job. And we work is a good thing. It's a good thing is a gift that we've been given. And so work that matters looks at the whole scope of my life of, cause I only have one, I have a circle of influence and been called to live on purpose with intentionality. And so am I showing up with purpose everywhere that I have? So for example, I'm a mom, I have three children. Um, I, I am not compensated in terms for any of the work that is done in my home. That's a lot of work. It's, it's homework, it's laundry, it's cleaning up, it's taking them places. Like it's a lot, it's a lot of work. That's also work that has only been given to me as their mom. I am their only mom. And I know that a lot of people look for significance in a career that, and I I mean this in the kindest way possible, that they're completely replaceable in. Hmm. And I think that it's so important that we recognize that there are smaller, significant spheres of influence that we've all been given that maybe don't have anything to do with our career, but have a lot to do with the life that we've been called to live and doing what matters is showing up in all of the areas that I've been given influence over with the same intentionality because we're always taught to be intentional at work, right? Yeah. You're intentional with your customers. You're intentional with your coworkers, but those groups shouldn't have perks that my family doesn't get. Hmm. My family should get my creativity in terms of how I can better love and serve them and, and grow and impact. And so it's genuinely believing that, okay, work is anything that I do that is submitted to God for him to use for his glory and the good of others. Yeah. If, th- if that's how I define work, then it gives purpose in what really matters. And it lets you let go of the accolades and the results that if we're all honest, really aren't in control. We're not in control of anyway. Yeah. I love that angle of it's, it's work that serves, right? I think, mm-hmm. I think that that's so important. I've, I've processed that a lot. And, and even the idea of, of being replaceable too. I want to go down that, down that rabbit hole. Because I, I think that, yeah, work that matters is work that serves. And what happens sometimes is we get these aspirations of, I want to do this or become this or start this business. And and sometimes a lot of that motivation is because I'm trying to prove somebody wrong or mm-hmm. I have like a, a, a parent wound from, from being a little kid or I want to look this way. And I think at its core, like, you know, to some degree, everyone probably wrestles with some kind of selfish ambition in their heart. But if if work is meant to serve primarily, then I think that's work that matters. And I, and I think that like, even if it just serves the one, it's it's worth it's work that's worth doing. Absolutely. And and that's one thing that I think that we've really lost sight of. Like we generally don't, you know, elect politicians because 
we believe that they have ideas that could really serve the one. Right. Or we don't often, you know, promote CEOs because they are so kind and they are doing the small things for the one in their company or the or the one who's their customer. But I think that idea of service is, is really, really big. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, we need to think a lot about that. I love that. Yes. So I want to ask you this. We're talking about work and busyness and work that matters is work that serves. What what would you say? So like in our industry, there's a lot of folks that, that might be in a career position that they didn't set out to get into and that they don't imagine they're going to be in long term, whether they're looking for a promotion out or to go into a different company or even jump into a different industry. How do you find purpose in the work you're doing right now, especially if it's not where you think you're going to be long term? I think what's next is the thing that steals our purpose the most when our intentions are pure. We are so caught up in the next chapter that we miss that this is purpose and preparation for whatever will happen next. And so I don't need to know exactly how it pans out. Like looking back at my career, never would I have sat down with an advisor that they would have been like, all right, so here's what you're going to do and map out my plan. But now that I look back, I can see every single chapter, none of which was wasted, even if it in the time seemed like, really? Like my first job out of college that I loved was in pharmaceutical sales. So I went straight from college to sales school and then went from sales school into the medical field in Knoxville, Tennessee, working for Eli Lilly. And nine months into it, there was this massive corporate reshuffle. And in pharmaceutical sales, a lot of times it is last hired, first fired. Yeah. So they gave me the option to relocate to Kentucky. And um, I chose no offense to any Kentucky listeners, uh, but I went to the University of Tennessee and I'm pretty sure my father would have disowned me if I had ever lived in wildcat country. (laughs) And so I was like, I was doing well. I enjoyed it. And then all of a sudden, like nine months in, like it's just gone. And the foundation that it set for me, number one, I ended up in network marketing of all things later on. And when people would talk about rejection and how hard selling was, I was like, are you kidding? Yeah. Like I am used to rejection And I am used to selling to someone who has probably been in school longer than I've been alive. And so learning how to sell in such a competitive environment really set me up for what I needed to do next. But the other part is in the ministry side of things of what I do now, the the drugs that I sold were antidepressants. And that is the most given out prescription and recommendation for people right now. And so to have even just a little bit of an understanding of how those work to be able to just listen and empathize and understand what people are juggling through. Like that's something that I look at now and I'm like, okay, I get it. I get the nine month detour. And so I would just encourage you be present and show up because nothing is wasted the people that you will meet, the job, the task that you may think has nothing to do with it. You may be amazed in a few years what that thread did to get you to where you are now. But if you're so focused on what's next that you squander 
the opportunity that you have right now where you are, that what's next that you want may never come because you ignored the person that came in to the office that day because you were thinking about what was next and you weren't really all there and all present. And so don't, don't try to understand it and don't try to piece it together. You can just trust that it'll make sense someday. Yeah. Oh, Michelle, it's so good. You know, I'm just thinking about my background. So, you know, I got into the fireplace industry, which is a random niche industry, and and most people in it didn't set out to get into it. I played guitar before in a failing punk rock band. And I I look at like these different moments of my life and and each one has like led into the other. And, And just like you said, like not being afraid of rejection on the sales floor it actually is a superpower. And in the same way, I kind of joke with people that like, well, you know, getting on stage and, and making an idiot of yourself for a long time, it just kind of rids you of the fear of like putting something out there and it may yes. not work and people may not like it for better or for worse. Right. But I love what you said about being being faithful in the moment where you are because like we, we, we have a culture that is always showing you what you could have like on Instagram or Facebook or whatever. And, and it, you're always being drawn to that of like, I could do this. Oh, I deserve this. Like if I, mm-hmm. I, I could have this instead. And I think that's why even right now, especially on the aftermath of COVID, we have so much turnover is like we, we have just these unrealistic expectations of what we want out of life. And, and many of us want an instant gratification in that. Yes. But it's amazing how being faithful where you are does set you up. It's not wasted. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean you stay at the wrong job for for you know, inordinate amounts of time and never make a move. But there is something to the fact of like being excellent Mm -hmm. at what you do. And it's amazing how as you gain excellence in what you do, you actually grow passion for it. Like we we want to go out and do the thing that we quote unquote love. But sometimes like we may not be good at it. We may find out that as we start to like do that full time, we, you know, we hate it and it, you know, it ruins our lives. And I'm not saying you shouldn't try to find things that you love, but if you look at like research and studies, like more often the path to fulfillment is by being faithful and becoming excellent in the things that you're doing. I think that that's super, super important. Absolutely. I mean, when you meet somebody that is incredible at what they do, I can't tell you how many times I've even had somebody like at the checkout counter at Target. And I just want to be like, do do you want to be here forever? I have a lot of friends that are hiring. Because yeah. they are joyful and happy and doing what they do well. And I'm like, if you can do that in rush hour yep. at the target checkout, you would be a valuable asset to any company. And so yep. I, there is, there's just so much value. Yes. Be faithful where you are. Yeah. I'm thinking about this. Like this is probably four years ago. I had a, I had a team member on our sales floor that, at the beginning of when he was hired, he had all this promise, all this potential. And uh, at the beginning of when he was hired, he was using the sales process that we had. He's using our CRM system and he was doing really well. And then as he started to you know, get better at what he did, he, he stopped using the CRM system. He kind of started going into his own sales process. And I was meeting with him to talk with him. And I was just saying like, hey, like, you know, we, we got to use the, the CRM to keep track of our customers and understand where they're at in the pipeline. And can you talk to me about this? And he was basically like, well, you know, I mean, that was really helpful at the beginning. But now that I now that I really understand this, like I can just keep track of it on my own in my head and with a notebook. And, and it, it, was, it was just it was just it was just a good tool for a beginning person. Mm. And it was like he was like too good. He he, he was you know, he, he had it figured out. And to me, I was like, you know, 
what that tells me is like that's it's not being faithful in the little things. Right. Um, it's not understanding the fundamentals before mm-hmm. you actually try to go out on the field. And yeah. there's such an understanding of like in, in most jobs right now, there are probably fundamentals yes. that you need to master yes. because it will set you up for something else. And, the, and to me, like the time to look is, is probably when something either becomes toxic or when you've mastered the fundamentals, like when you've mastered things in your job, it's, then it's probably time to, to go apply those skills in a, in a different context that could, that could serve more people. But to me, in, in so many situations where I talk to folks, my answer is like, just become a master of the skills that are in front of you right now. Right. And too, like just to the person maybe who is a little bit bored right now, whether for one reason or the other, go back to the basics. Because usually I find that when people have gotten bored, they have abandoned the basics because they do think that the basics are for beginners, but basics is just what you said. They are foundational. And when we stop doing the basics, we stop doing those foundational tasks. We stop thinking about what made us start in the first place. Then we often drift into the work that doesn't matter, which is why we're not satisfied and fulfilled. Yeah. And so back to the basics is like home base ground rules. Stay here. This is the important part. We'll get back to our conversation with Michelle Myers in just one second. Hey, as you're listening to this episode, if you are in the middle of the busy season, as everybody is, you're drowning in bids and estimates. Things are three weeks out on in-home visits and it takes customers, you know, a week and a half just to get their bid back on their fireplace. I'm telling you that you have to check out Wi-Fire. It, it sounds crazy, and I know that you're going to say it's not possible, but like literally that giant stack of estimates that's on your desk that's taking you weeks to get through, I'm telling you it can be done in less than an hour. Wi-Fire is a system that has been built by people in our industry to produce customized estimates in seconds. It emails them to the customer. It logs it into a customer dashboard where you can track the progress inside the sales pipeline, and it can even be deployed on your website. We want to help you save time and serve more customers. And to do that, you have to get control of your bid process. Plus, as a business owner, I mean, what if in the busy season, you could work five days a week and, I don't know, golf every other Friday because you're on top of your bids. This is possible and you can do it. To take advantage of Wi-Fi and get a demo, go to wifire.com. That's W-H-Y-F-I-R-E.com. Okay, so I want to I shift topics here. I want to get really practical. So we've talked about work that matters. We've talked about busyness. And, and you made a comment about how we sometimes try to like structure people and structure time in these perfect, neat little boxes. And, and, and I want to weigh that on one hand. But on the other hand, I want you to, to talk to us about how do you think about time and how do you structure your time? I mean, right now, my kids are school age. And so in terms of work, I have a focused amount when they are at school to be able to get the tasks that I need to get done done. That being said, there's a lot of people that come into play with, for whatever reason, whether they are a client or a coworker, sometimes we're juggling time zones and different things. And so it doesn't always work out to where it's like, Hey, these are my nice, clean calendar lines and nothing ever gets blurry. What I do try to do though, is I do have like focused family time where 
My phone is nowhere near me. I, I keep my Apple watch on all the time, but the only thing that it takes is like phone calls and record steps. I don't have any of the fancy stuff on it. And so there's many family hours where that is the work that I've been given to do in that moment. And just like there are times when the office door needs to be closed and no distractions need to happen, I need to have the same thing at home. But I also try to involve, my kids are young, but I can still involve them in things and make them feel a part of the work that we do to where they do feel like it is a family effort and they're excited. And it's not something that takes me away from them. It is part of what makes me their mom. Yeah. And so it, I feel like there's, there's such a juggle. I feel parents experience like mom guilt and mom shame all the time. And one of the biggest things that I would tell you is that like that steals from you to where when you're working, you feel like you should be with your family. And when you're with your family, you feel like you should be working. That is a terrible place to live. And if you are there, ask questions of your family, because most of the time, what I find is that parents are their own worst critic. And I ask my kids on a regular basis, Hey, how do you feel about mommy's job? And sometimes their words really encourage me. And sometimes it lets me know, okay, I need to tighten up on that. Yeah. And like, I remember this has been years ago. My oldest was four and he told me, he said, sometimes I'm trying to tell you something. And I think you're looking at your phone and you're not really listening to me. (laughs) Oh man, it's the dagger. Yeah. And I said, okay, tell you what, if you ever feel like I am ignoring you for my phone, you have my permission to take it out of my hands. Do you know how many times he had to do that once? Cause it was terrible. Yeah. And then I was like, well, I never want that to happen again. And so with, with time, like it is a limited resource. We have to be a good steward of it. We have to do our best, but then we also have to be willing to be flexible to go where the greatest need is. And so sometimes that may mean that after my kids go to bed, I need to come back into my office for an hour. And sometimes it may mean that I have a kid who's homesick from school and I can't go into my office that day the way that I normally do. But I'm also not one that like tries to hide from my kids and be like, my work is compartmentalized to when they're not here. Yeah. I want to talk to them about it. I want them to understand because I think that a good relationship with work is important for them to see in action. And it's not something that they're just automatically going to see on their own. And so think about your time, recognize that it's an unlimited resource. Do not beat yourself up, but you have to be intentional about it because we, we don't get those back. Like that's not a renewable resource. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm taking notes as you're talking here. So like what you just said, I mean, you look at what's available, right? I mean, so if you have these responsibilities with kids or with friends or family or whatever it is, you only have so much time available. And then you got to focus like, okay, I've only got so much time available. Like what are the things that are most important? Where's the greatest need? That's where I'm going to go. And I can't do anything else. Like that's all you can ask of me. And I, I feel like one of the things that that I find as I work with companies is when very often people are so busy and I'll ask like, what's on your plate? Oh my gosh, everything is on my plate. It's this and this and this and this and this. And they'll show me a list of like 25 things. And this is like straight Michael Hyatt. I'll, I'll say, okay, awesome. I see that list. 
here's what I need you to do is I need you to make a big three. And and the rest of that list goes away. Mm-hmm. Now your big three always stays in front of you for the day. And if you knock it out, you get to add one more thing to the, to the list from your thing at 25. But to have a list of 25 things means a list of nothing. We, yes. we started this conversation out about busyness and distraction. And I'm thinking about in uh, like the screw tape letters by C.S. Lewis. Yes. One of the tactics that they talk about is that the the basically like the the book is you know written from a reverse per, per perspective of these devils that are trying to disrupt the human experience and one of their tactics is to distract people consistently so that they never have a chance to think or do the things that are actually important and and that's what we are so good at like that list of 25 I mean, it doesn't it doesn't matter if you end up getting two of the things done on that list. Like you probably could have done seven things if you would have actually focused on what matters. And it seems like that's what you're trying to do with this prioritization is just realize like I've only got so much time. I have to focus on what matters. And the other things, I let them burn. Yeah. Because like what else can I do? Yeah. I can choose to let everything burn yeah. or I can knock out the most important things and let the rest burn. Like yes. I'd rather do I'd rather do that second one. Yes. And identify your time stealers and get rid of them. Oh, so good. Like we, we just went to a new structure, which is completely against all rules, but we still post the same amount of content on social media that we always have. But now instead of spreading it out over a week, we post only on Mondays. I saw that. I wanted to ask you about this. Yes. Talk about this. We show up really big on Monday. Like we go live, we're in stories. We'll post five or six times throughout the day a reel, a carousel, a whatever, like we'll, we'll be there. And then we disappear to go do our real work. And this is what I found that has happened. I enjoyed it on Monday. Monday, there was like always something new that was coming. Our women are now learning to expect that that's when we're going to show up. So that's when they show up. So they're actually talking to us. I'm not worrying about an algorithm, getting my information in front of them. They know it's coming. So instead of waiting for me to show up in their feed randomly, they come. And so the, the day was exciting. I knew it was there. I planned for it. The margin was there. Everything. What sold me on it though, was Tuesday through Friday (laughs) to where social media became just like an email inbox. It's like a customer service channel, a place yeah. to be able to check in, but it's not a responsibility that I feel of, I need to post and I need to be personable and I need to do this. I need to do you know, like, I was the only person putting that expectation on me. Yeah. And so Tuesday through Friday to be able to really show up deep and well in our community and love our people and get our deep work done and not to have that constant distraction because there is always going to be a notification there. Yeah. Always. And now to not have that, I don't hate social media anymore. I have oh, a really good attitude about it. That is that's so good. I mean, I, I think that like just and even so practically too, like in your space, you're you're completely centered around building a community. And I'm thinking about manufacturers and distributors in our industry who have they're trying to grow a community of a dealer network to like halfway do social media that you outsource to some company that doesn't know who you are and they randomly post throughout the week is like it's i can't even it's the most ineffective thing ever Mm -hmm. it infuriates me (laughs) but but to actually show up yourself one day a week this is what we're going to do hey you know the community knows that it's coming we're going to make this investment in them i love the intentionality behind that michelle the final thing i want to ask is you know you've written you've written this book and I want you to talk about that. So the book's called She Works His Way. It's a practical guide for doing what matters most in a get things done world. What was the inspiration behind that? And can you can you talk to people about like what they're going to find in your book? 
So I felt that there was constantly a tension that working women felt. And this tension was basically as a, my, my prime identity being in, in the Lord and being a follower of Christ. I want to be everything that God, God wants me to be. But then I also feel this tension and this expectation to be everything that the world expects of me. And trying to do both at the same time was creating this tension that the world falsely calls balance, which balance is a sham. I hate the term. Yeah, I hate the term balance. It is like my least favorite thing ever. Um, Trying to be everything that God has purposely created you to be and everything that the world expects you to be is not balance. That is bondage. That is bondage. And there are things that the world offers us that feel like, okay, that's a blatant lie. That's easy to see. But then there's others that are well-dressed and socially acceptable and twisted just enough to make it more about me than it makes it about the greater purpose of why we're all here anyway. Yeah. And those are the ones that we really wanted to address in the book of let's talk about what it looks like to see my work, not measured in my level of skill, but in the measure of love that I'm able to show through it. Mm. Let's talk about what it looks like to put relationships before achievements. Let's talk about what it looks like to not necessarily see success as these benchmarks and how many customers and the numbers and the whatever, but to really think about those things being rooted in purpose. Yeah. And to see the shift in the mindset, practically how it works when, when we choose the right way (laughs) and when we choose in rebellion to go, to go against it, how it just creates more problems. And so I co-wrote the book with my best friend and my business partner, Summer Phoebus, and we have the main things that are important in common. We also have different career backgrounds. We have different personalities and to see two women who can be so different that were taken out by the same twisted truth yeah, and how the same truths coming back to the, to what's grounded and what's real and what's true to see that, to be the thing that produced the freedom that the world promised us, but could never deliver. Yeah. And to just be able to practically have that conversation. These are the same conversations that we have been having with our community for the last seven years. And I think that's the beauty of the book coming now, instead of coming first Yeah, is it is filtered with the conversations that we have had with thousands of women over almost the last decade. And so it truly is representative of a group of women, not just one or two authors perspectives. And so it is, it is for the woman who feels like I'm failing everywhere. And I don't, I don't think that I can do it all anymore. And this lie that I can do it all and it's supposed to look good and it's supposed to look pretty is slowly killing me from the inside out every single day. And I just want to quit everything right now. Wow. If, if that's how you feel, read this book. Let's have a conversation. Let's refocus. Let's reprioritize. Let's talk about what matters. Let's talk about the noise and the voices that are competing for your attention and stealing from your purpose. And let's put you back in a spot where there's one voice that's elevated above all of them. There's one thing that we're looking at and all of a sudden 
instead of all of these things competing, all of these things fall under. Yeah. So good. That's so good. You know, I'm thinking about in our industry, it's a very male dominated industry, but there are more and more women that are rising up. But I, I know it can be hard. I'm thinking about our, our last issue of the Firetime magazine where we had we had a piece specifically about the rising tide and, and just the difficulty, but also the love and acceptance that that, you know, some women have felt in our industry. What would what would you say to a, a woman in our industry, young, older or in between that that works in this male dominated space that is facing the resistance of of, of rising up in it to, to serve? Oh my goodness. Lean in to your uniqueness. You have a perspective that is different, that is needed, that is a strength, that is not competitive. It is, it takes it and it makes it to where you're complete. Like it, it fills a gap. It's not something that creates more tension. It is something that can bring completeness because you bring a different picture and a different perspective. And so the last thing that you need to be is to try to be, to do this business in the same way that the males in the space do it. You get to do it a little bit different because you are different. And so lean into that uniqueness and see it as a strength. Don't see it as a weakness and don't try to be something that you're not be who you are in this space because you wouldn't have gotten the job if there wasn't a need for you. And so take it, run with it, own it, create your own lane, like create your own goodness, create your own space of why you're there. And I I'm just, I'm excited for you. Like I, I love that there is a space that has been primarily male dominated that not from a female empowerment space, but from a good of everyone of, we can now reach more. Yeah. hundred percent. When, when there's both in the space, you doubled the amount of people that you can relate to. You doubled the amount. Like it is such a gift. See it as such. I I love that, man. I'm going to start thinking about that term. It's not about necessary female empowerment. It's about the good of everyone. And like we need women for the good of everyone, period. Yes. Michelle. Oh, I I could go on that for a really long time because I, there's a way to, that the female empowerment message just becomes a different kind of inequality. Mm. And it is understanding that when we come together and both genders are represented and we're working together, that you have the strengths of, of both. It's a superpower. You have the benefits of both. Like it makes us all better. Yeah. And so I'm excited for the males in the space that you've got females coming in because of what it means for you. I'm excited for the females coming in because of what it means for you. Yeah. So good. Michelle, where can people find your work? So if you want to come hang out with us on Mondays, we're on Instagram. You can find us at she works his way, but the easiest place to go is to sheworksHisWay.com. You can look at our resources and join our community. We have a network of women that I always say is the best part of being part of the community is the women that you get to meet. Because if you do feel, maybe you are listening to this and you are the only woman in your company because you work with a smaller company and it's you and nine guys. And you're just like, I love y'all. And this is awesome. But like, I need somebody that can come alongside me in this way that understands this part of my life. Like that is what we exist to do. We have a lot of women who come in that are the only believer that's in their, in their space They're They feel isolated and alone in that area. 
Um, maybe you feel like you're one of the only career women in your church. Like, I don't know where the isolation or the tension comes, but having a community where you can come in and to have this network of women who have been there, can give you advice, can share their experiences. Um, I mean, we hope that we can give you tools and resources that are going to encourage you, but I'm never going to pretend like anything we hand you is better than the introduction to the women that you meet here. The women you meet, absolutely the best part. Michelle, this has been an amazing conversation. Thanks a ton for making time. We appreciate it. I love what you're doing. Keep it up. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Michelle Myers. I thought it was amazing. And it's funny, when when we recorded this, I was out of town at my in-law's house, and it was really early in the morning. I was trying not to wake everybody up in the house, but but I was pumped. (laughs) There was times I was getting fired up about this because I think this conversation about purpose and consistency is just so important. A couple of of parting thoughts that I had in, in thinking about what me and Michelle covered is that idea of like, if we want to find purpose in what we do, consistency over time is such a big deal. We live in an instant gratification society where if it doesn't bring me immediate happiness right now, something's wrong and it must be the wrong job, must be the wrong industry. I mean, frankly, must be the wrong spouse. It's amazing how applying yourself to something diligently over time changes your heart. I have seen this happen for myself time and time and time again. I mean, I think about 15 years ago when I was just living in just ridiculous selfishness and everything revolved around me playing in in this punk rock band. And the fireplace industry was just something I did on the side uh, to just, you know, fuel my, my, my real love and my real passion. But it's amazing how applying myself at first, it was only semi-diligently, but then it became diligence. And in the coming years to this industry, it, it literally changed my heart. And, and this is this is true in life. Like doing something consistently over time, it, it's amazing how that helps us find purpose. When Michelle was talking about being a cog in the wheel, I thought that was so good. You, you know, every single one of you has been made to contribute something to the greater good that only you can contribute. There's, there's something out there where only you can do the work. And, and, and what I would caution is, I would say it, it may not mean that you have to change jobs to find that. It, maybe it does. But in what you're doing, can you find a way to make yourself irreplaceable where you are the only person that can do what you do in that space? I think, I think that each of us has God-given ability where that is true. But if you are in a job where you are just, you're just a cog in the wheel, you could instantly be traded out and replaced by somebody else, I would imagine that, that, that there could be something better for you. But if you look at where you are, you know, what's it, what's it look like for you to show up and do the work that only you can do? I mean, honestly, I, 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 my mind goes right to Heather Smith. She was a guest in our, our first season of the podcast. She works for AES in, you know, out of Seattle, Washington. And, and anyone that's listening to this that knows Heather knows there is no one that can do the work that she does. She's an inside sales support person at AES. And some people might think that, that that's a job that a lot of people could do. And to some degree, maybe, but man, if you've worked with Heather, I'm telling you, uh, she is bringing something unique to the table that no one else can. 
But what do you do if, if you're in a spot where you, you, just, you don't have that purpose? I, I think that what Michelle said is so key of, you know, look at what you have available right now. Maybe you're not in, in the space that you think your dream job is going to be. Look at, at where you are, what's available to you. As I look back at my own life, I mean, honestly, like I just see God working in so many ways, like playing in a, in a punk band where I, I'm, I'm getting up on stage every night and making an idiot of myself. Uh, I, was very, I was unsuccessful at that. But there were things that that actually gave me that, that 15 years later, you know, whether it's having a podcast or, or speaking to people, there's, there's a, you know, for better or for worse, there's, there's a lack of fear that I have because I've, I've done it before and, and I'm, and I'm not, I'm not concerned about it. That was, that only exists because of what I did previously. Even thinking about my time as an installer, I worked for about four years for my father-in-law in installation and, and I wasn't the best installer. And there were times where I wasn't happy with that job. And I mean, frankly, there's just a lot of selfishness on my part. And I was like, why am I doing this? Well, I, I couldn't see it at the time, but it was literally preparing me for what was next. So look at what you have available focus, right? You know, um, think about like, if you're an installer, how can I become the best installer? Focus on that. Put, put time and effort into honing your craft, into, into establishing a, a set of disciplines that, that build into habits that, that, that make you somebody that is irreplaceable. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, if, if you can make yourself irreplaceable or make yourself excellent at your job, you will, you will have plenty of opportunity. It's, it's funny how that works out. And then finally, go where the greatest need is. Is, as you look at your company, where's the greatest need? Are you, are you somebody that, that jumps on, on problems when, that, when no one else does because, because you want to solve them, you want to contribute? If, if, if you can do those things of like looking at what's available, focusing on, on, on becoming excellent at what you do and, and serving the greatest need, uh, I'm just telling you that, that you will find that purpose shows up. And, and truly, if you are in an absolute dead end, another better opportunity will present itself. I, I'm just, I'm confident of that because I've seen it time and time again. So my hope for you is that you got value out of that conversation. I was absolutely blessed by it and, and think that there is a lot there. Now, if this podcast is a blessing for you and you want to support it financially, you can do that by going to the website, patreon.com slash it's fire time. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash it's fire time. And I know we say this week in and week out, but I'm telling you, if, if you contribute to support this podcast, it means the world and, and we do not take it lightly. What we do is we use these funds to outsource some of the administrative duties of this podcast so that we can focus on on producing the highest level of content and, and we take it very seriously to try and deliver on that. Now, as we close out, the, the one of the final words that Michelle had when we were having the conversation about what, what would you say to, to women in the industry who are, you know, working in a, in a male dominated space where, where maybe they're, they're not feeling heard or they feel alone or that no one understands them. What would you say? I, I love the word that she had about, about leaning into your uniqueness. There's something that you uniquely bring to the table. I just, I desperately believe that our industry needs more women, period. I just, I believe it. 
because I've just seen the fruit of that in so many situations. I think about, man, just on our Firetime magazine team, what Christy brings to the table. If you heard that episode recently where we talked as a team, I'm just telling you, there's something that she brings to the table when you hear her speak that Grant, Matt, and I do not. And, and we need more of that. And I love how Michelle said, it, it's not about women's empowerment. It's about making everything better. And, and I, I so believe in that. So if you're in that situation, I want you to know that like your voice will make things better. It will bring to light what is not there right now. So I hope that that, that left you with some things to think about, whether it's purpose, whether it's direction, whether it's work that matters. I, I think that there's a lot here. And as we're getting to the tail end of our season, we only have a couple episodes left. But we're going to end this thing with a bang, and I'm so excited that you're along for the journey. So I hope you have an amazing week, and we'll talk to you again very soon. Thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast. To learn more, visit the website, itsfiretime.com. Music from this episode was written and recorded by In Bloom out of Portland, Oregon. We thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. We'll see you next time. I'm all into